talk trash about the things people love to hate and hate to love and we're your hosts shelby and matt back for another week yes as we climb through award season slowly but surely yeah honestly i i forgot about the emmys i didn't watch them um oh so i know you did um i did i had to watch did they have a host did they have a yes anthony anderson was the host oh okay but is, what did who did who um Chelsea Handler what did she Chelsea do? Handler hosted the Critics Choice Awards. Uh, oh yes. Which were also you know, last week. I heard she was she had been dating Joe Carey up until like a little bit ago. Joe Coy. Joe Coy, sorry, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Joe Carey. Um who bombed the Golden, Golden Globes, Globes. Well then she against all award shows, but I saw her monologue and I was like, oh, so it's just men. <laughs> well, she threw some shade at him. Yes, which I respect and honor and appreciate. Um, but then Anthony Anderson didn't even do a monologue, um, which maybe was the smart choice. But it was so it was the 75th Emmys. So they mm-hmm. did a lot of like greatest moments from TV kind of things. So mm-hmm. a lot of the like there were a lot of cast reunions. A lot of the presenters were like famous people from shows that aren't on the air anymore rather than like people from the shows that were getting awarded. So it's like the cast of Cheers and Martin and like uh the sopranos and mad men like that kind of thing mm-hmm. um so it was good i mean it was like cute that was nice it was kind of a boring show because the that well one the emmys were weird because they are were supposed to be this summer but so they're yeah. recognizing like a very different set of shows than the Golden Globes or the Critics' Choices Awards were, which were, you know, just, like, whatever came out in 2023, because the Emmys were going from, like, summer 2022 through summer 2023. So it was, like, White Lotus was still, like, a nominee, even though that came out truly 700 years ago. (laughs) But even with the different nominations, it was basically the Bear, Beef, and Succession winning every single award that they were eligible for, which is the same thing that had happened at the Critics' Choice Awards and the Golden Globes. So by the time we got to the Emmys and, like, Ali Wong is giving her third speech in a week, it was a little bit like, okay, like, what are we doing here? Like, this is, I mean, like, good for her, but also, like, this is so boring. And nobody seems that excited because they've already won multiple times. Really, the only person who was, like, into anything happening was Niecy Nash, who won Mm. for the Dahmer show because she hadn't won anything else. And it was, like, a big moment for her. But otherwise, it was kind of a snoozer of an award show, if I'm being honest. Yeah, that's what it seemed like. So, do you feel like you're more wary of the oscars or you're like oh it'll pick up by then well the thing i was thinking about and we've talked about this before on the podcast with the emmys is i think that there's just legitimately way too much tv Mm 
<laughs> and so and so when you so nobody's like watching the same group of things like I feel like back in the day you know maybe in like 2014 2015 you know there was like the same group of maybe like 12 big shows so most people who were in the TV academy had watched a good deal of those or were watching the same thing so that when you were voting everything was sort of on like a little bit more of an even playing field. I think the problem now is that everybody watches maybe three or four shows and then the rest of the shows are watched by a very small group of the television Academy. Mm -hmm. And that's like spread out among all of these different nominees. So it really comes down to just like who has watched the most or which show had the most people watched? It's like if everybody has watched Succession, so out of a hundred voters, a hundred people could vote for Succession, but only thirty of those voters have watched Better Call Saul. It's like, well, obviously, Better Call Saul is not going to win because most of the like way more people have seen Succession and therefore can vote for it. So I think they need to like either chop a bunch of shows and air less, which I don't think is going to (laughs) happen or come up with some kind of like jury system where people have to watch a certain number of shows in order to vote or something like that. Because right now it's just really a question of like who has watched the most things. And so shows like white Lotus or succession or the bear or beef get all of these nominations and all of these wins while Shows that are like older or a little bit less popular, it's just like it's impossible for them to win because not as many people have watched them. Yeah, but I mean, this is true with network television days too, where it was all a modern family and it was all, you know, I feel like yeah. this is the same. But I feel know, like popularity problem. But I feel like there were less like sweeps back then. Like, yes, Mm -hmm. like Modern Family might have won every year for best comedy, but it wasn't winning like every single award in every category where I feel like the last. I remember a lot of Julie Bowen uh, award speeches. (laughs) I guess. And And you know what? You know what? The Bear was the best television show last year. So like, what are we what else could have snuck in there? But I just feel like this has happened like the last three or four years in a row where it's like <clears throat> Succession won everything and then, or not Succession, Schitt's Creek won everything and then Ted Lasso won everything and this won everything. Mrs. Maisel won everything. It was like whatever sort of like the one show is that the most people seem to have like watched that year wins all of the awards. And I'm not saying that the bear wasn't worthy of those but it seems like there's not the sort of nuance of like okay the bear wins best actor but best directing goes to this show but best you know whatever goes to this show like I don't know there were just there were you know it's like I love succession and I do think it's a great show and I'm glad that it won all of the prizes it did but it's sort of you know it's like okay but weren't there other people in other shows who also were good this year? And like, shouldn't they have been recognized at some point in one of these award uh, shows? But instead, we just have all the succession people winning in every category. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Where I feel like with the Oscars, there's it's easier to watch a movie than it is to watch a TV show. And so most of the voters have watched, you know, like the 
20, 30 movies that are like sort of eligible. So people are on like a little bit more of an even playing field. Like, like people, like most of the voters have watched Barbie and have watched Oppenheimer. So at least they're able to vote for like which one of those movies they like more instead of like, oh, 90% of the people have watched Barbie, 20% of the people have watched Oppenheimer. Like they're not going to be able to compete. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. But yeah, that happened. The Oscar nominations come out tomorrow morning. So Oh my gosh. By the time this podcast you're listening to this podcast, the Oscar nominations will probably be out, but we will have to wait a week to talk about them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know if you saw, but um Renee Rapp has been (laughs) the source of controversy this week. Um, first and foremost, she was on Watch What Happens Live. And they were playing some sort of game about, like, which of the original cast she'd most likely be friends with. And she made sort of an offhand comment that was like, well, I don't know, because I'm kind of ageist. And Andy Cohen immediately, like, choked, you know, clutched his pearls. And he's like, are you ageist towards me? And he, like, stopped the game and made her talk about this. And she was kind of, like, stumbling through a scenario. Like, it seemed to me, it seemed to me pretty obvious that she'd been trying to make a flippant joke. And now she was like, oh put on the spotlight for that joke and then was trying to make it funny but was surrounded by old people old people (laughs) yeah and so i have seen so much like people commenting on this like sharing you know news sites sharing the like clickbaity like buzzfeed had an article that's like renee rapp just nonchalantly revealed that she's ages toward millennial women and it has seriously divided the internet and it's funny because people just take this headline and then all the comments are basically like she wouldn't have a career without us. Like, oh, does she even know who Mean Girls is for? And it's just like, if you watch the clip of it, she's like, well, you know, I've been the youngest one in the room. And like, honestly, it's millennial women who are most rude to me. And I find this, you know, hysterical on one level because the like generational fights are so like, fake to me like it doesn't matter like it's not that deep and I think Renee Rapp recognizes that and doesn't literally think there should be like a you know expiration date on human beings um but then also sort of the self-fulfilling element of millennials being mean and not being able to like roll with this like 24 year old who thinks we're kind of lame like whatever think about when you were 24 and what you thought of 35 year old 40 women you know and so it's just been funny to watch uh, history continue to repeat itself as um, these generational divides become less and less like real because our lives continue to be more and more like shared. And yet we cling, we cling <laughs> to this sort of superiority complex as we um, cycle through our judgment of others. I did see somebody writing an article that was like, why millennials are the best generation. And it was like, it had to do with the fact that like they, um, like you sort of straddle the age of technology and not. Mm-hmm, so it's like, they mm-hmm. sort of know how to, they're like capable of problem solving and doing things without technology. But I also know how to use technology, Yeah. but also they had to learn technology so they know they know it in a different way than gen z people do who sort of like just 
have it, but like, you know, never took like classes and stuff yeah. on it, um, which I thought was kind of interesting. But yeah, no, Renee Rapp, I think is low key a genius. I've seen all <laughs> of these tweets and stuff about how, oh, she like had no media training. She's bungling her press tour. She can't do anything right. She was like talking about some guy who's like a bus driver or something <laughs> yeah. who she hated. Like, and I'm like, no, this woman is on the internet. She knows what is going to get clicks. I'm like, she is just saying stuff at this yeah. point to like rile people up because she knows that people are then going to like know who she is. Because I mean, to be quite frank, like she was a C-list celebrity before Mean Girls. Like, this is a mm-hmm. big moment for her in her career. Like, yes, she was on Broadway. Yes, she was in Sex Lives of College Girls. But, like, not an A-list celeb. Like, this is definitely her biggest project so far to date. Yeah. And, like, she is getting famous off of this. And yeah. by making all of these moments and memes and things, it's like, yeah, people know who she is. People know who Renee Rapp is now, where they didn't a month ago. And I'm like, keep her on the press tour like this is entertaining for me and she definitely (laughs) said when she said that like you know in her mind she said it you think she's evil genius you think she's like oh well no press is bad press like let's give the people what they want i mean i don't know if she's evil genius necessarily like like i don't know if she's giving like taylor swift levels (laughs) of sort of like of publicity mechanization but i Uh think that she has like watched clips of jennifer lawrence and is like let me see if i can deliver something similar to this like obviously i think she has like some less charisma maybe than jennifer lawrence does but i think she's going for that sort of like chaotic energy i think rather than just sit there and give polite answers yeah but i think it's also part of this sort of renaissance moment for her as far as her relationship with the press goes because the negative reaction to her broadway casting and like the mental health space she was in it seems like she's caught up in this happy bubble which is great and I think that came from her sort of music career taking off in a way um the push to be cast in Mean Girls the musical the movie and so it seems like she's kind of just allowing herself to finally have fun with the press um and kind of you know no fucks given um but yeah, no, she, she's been everywhere. And I honestly loved the Mean Girls press tour when she started talking about Megan Thee Stallion and was like, and if any man comes to her, I will find him and I will kill him. I don't with that man at all, like clearly referencing um, Tony Larens or whatever. And her castmate, the like, Aaron Samuels was like watching her say this on and was just like what are you talking about like she's like threatening to harm a man and he's like clearly panicking in his PR mind but yeah she just seems to be completely unbothered for whatever reason well I feel like we also need to discuss the SNL moment because Jacob Elordi was the host this weekend and she was on as the musical guest, but was also in some skits. Um, and Megan Thee Stallion was there singing this song with her. But then also Rachel McAdams showed up, who obviously mm-hmm. had played Regina George in the original movie. And they had sort of had a moment. But I think it was in it, it was exciting because, like, 
Lindsay Lohan was obviously in the movie. They also had that Super Bowl ad or Thanksgiving ad or whatever that everybody was in. But <laughs> the Super Bowl hasn't happened yet. Okay, sir. Like, right, please. but I didn't know if they'd released it early. You know how they release like Super Bowl ads, but they're like yeah. a month before. Like I bet there's Super Bowl ads out now. I guess I don't know when the Super Bowl is, but I do want to discuss <laughs> that shortly as well. Um, the but yeah, the whole cast had reunited except yes, for... except for Rachel McAdams. Yeah. but then Rachel McAdams shows up, and you know they take all these cute pictures and whatever. Um, which I thought was also a like good press move like yeah like the the press for granted we're sort of in a dead period in a lot of ways where not that much is going on but the press for mean girls has really been i feel like top notch for a movie that is sort of whatever but the press i think has been great yeah i mean it's definitely been everywhere um and i've gotten a lot (laughs) everyone has opinions about this movie and i'm like i don't feel like it's that interesting to talk about like i feel like it's just a fine movie but some people feel very passionately that it's actively bad and they like need to let the world know it and i'm just like well they're the millennials they're the millennials (laughs) they're mad about it oh um but yeah renee rapp she's thriving thriving um but anyways going back to the super bowl oh okay (laughs) so taylor swift as far as i'm aware her boyfriend is is like could be at the Super Bowl. Okay. Like their their team is good. They're still they're like at the semifinals or whatever, right? Yeah. What's I think their they team just called? won. What? What's their team? Uh, K- Kansas. <laughs> Kansas. Kansas Chiefs. Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. Good okay. Job. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Great. Perfect. Okay. Anywho, okay. my question sort of is like more speculative about this. So number one, I mean, you and neither you and I can speak to the whether or not they're going to win these games against people. Like who knows? But if 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 he's in it, obviously Taylor Swift will be at the Super Bowl. So what do we think that sort of like bonanza hullabaloo looks like? And then Usher is set to be the um, halftime performer. Do we think that? anything with Taylor Swift and the halftime show will happen this year if she happens to be there. And then also, I'm wondering, we have long speculated about Taylor Swift possibly being a halftime performer at the Super Bowl. Obviously, people want that to happen. I'm sure she sort of has like an open invite almost at this point. She's turned it down in the past. But now that she has this like connection to the Super Bowl, do you think that if she's dating him next year, that that is something that we could see happen? Um, Lots of questions. <laughs> well, she is starting her Eras tour back up. Um, and she has a performance the Saturday before the Super Bowl. She'll probably be back for the Super Bowl, but I do not think she'll be performing in any way with Usher. One, because they don't have any relationship. And two, because I think Taylor knows there's a limit to how invested she can appear in the coverage of her being at her boyfriend's games right like she can play it off as like oh I don't I don't control the camera movements on me I'm not trying to get the ESPN to run more coverage about me I'm not asking all the players what they think about me being at the games and so I don't think she'd ever 
mix business and pleasure like that because why would she need to? She's already getting the press and already getting the cameras. So if she's there, I think it will just be in the, oh my gosh, I'm watching my boyfriend thrive in his environment. Like, yes, like go king, you know? Um, And as far as playing the Super Bowl, I can see her doing it because I honestly feel like what's held her back is that she doesn't like performing in front of people who don't like her. Um, And that's why she's always the most nervous at award shows or has been historically. And now that she's proven to be sort of accepted at large, (laughs) she could do it. But it's also at this point where it's like, why would she? Like the people who do it are usually either relaunching a career or sort of like trying to prove their relevancy. Like it's not really usually people at the top of their A game. I mean, I don't know. I think it depends on. I mean, think about the last few, like J-Lo, like Sam Smith. um, I guess maybe Lady Gaga, She, but she was also transitioning like between wasn't that like at the period where she wasn't making music except for her jazz album? Yeah, I mean, well, it was when she was launching Joanne was yeah. when she performed there. But like Beyonce did it. Um, but Beyonce did it as a trio, right? Well, Beyonce did it twice. She did oh, it once by okay. herself and then she did it once as like a sidekick to Coldplay oh, that's um, right, that's right. on their year. Um and yeah, I mean, they definitely do have some sort of has been performers on there um, from time to time. But I also think it is one of those moments where like playing the halftime show is like one of the greatest achievements you can sort of have as a musician. You know, that's really like a who's who lineup. They don't get random people to do that. Like you have to be maybe you're like past when you were the most successful, um, but like the people who did it, you know, Prince, Madonna, uh, you know, Bruce Springsteen, like they are the yeah. top, top, top artists. So I feel like if you consider yourself sort of in that tier, doing it is, you know, a big sort of like rite of passage. Um, and also, I mean, I think that, yeah, she might be nervous, but also it's only like 14 minutes or whatever. So I think that, that could really play to her strengths of, you know, like big productions and lots of things going on and that kind of thing where it's not like necessarily requiring her to do like lots of dancing or whatever, you know, like yeah, I think that I she think could she really put on a great show. Um, yeah. I just feel like maybe she's held herself back from even wanting to bridge that because it's like a, Venn diagram of people that don't tend to like her. But also, I feel like she's going to start focusing more on getting those. Like, I feel like the thing she'd care more about is getting some sort of EGOT chance rather than like focused only on music. I guess, but so far that has been a. I know. I'm not supporting it. <laughs> I'm just saying a I feel fleeting, like. That's what like she's... I mean, obviously she was <laughs> going for the. Oscar sort of last year. I mean, she only has a Grammy so far. I mean, yeah, she has yeah. a lot of them, but it's like she doesn't even have an Oscar nomination. Yeah. And no, she I, hasn't done yeah. anything with Emmys or the Tonys, which I think would be easier targets for her. Yes. Um, in a lot of ways. Yes. No, I think she's going to start 
like she's diversifying, right? That's why it's like, oh, she's writing a movie. Oh, she's doing like I think she I think, you know, she's directing like I think she wants to diversify in a way. I guess Which so. Be, uh, That's true. Interesting to. Uh, I mean, she also yes. has what? How many more of these re-releases? She has two more re-releases, and she has a full calendar year of the Eras tour. Yeah, so and I... and and we think that she probably wouldn't release a new album until after the Eras tour is done. I would assume. I guess I think so, but I mean, I guess Harry Styles did it while on tour. And you know what? I actually wonder if something more likely than her popping up at the Super Bowl is her being in a commercial or doing some sort of ad or something with Travis, you know, where he to get. Oh, yeah, I could see that. Or I mean, I guess like also if you're talking about Super Bowl advertisements and stuff, she could use that as an opportunity to launch Mm. some sort of. Yeah. One of the re-releases or something. Yeah, yeah. So, hmm. so we'll see. I'm sure she'll be around. <laughs> um, but yeah. Um, but yeah. But yeah. But yeah. yeah. Okay, I don't have anything else. Oh well, I feel like we have to talk about this Strangers Things season five shit show oh, that's yeah. been happening. Well, well, wait. What all happened? Because they 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 announced that they were filming with that picture. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then so I know there's been like stuff with photo. Noah it's Schnapp. Like, yeah. So the Stranger Things has been embroiled in some controversy. One, because Noah Schnapp was like a very much like pro-Israel. Pro like he was passing out like stickers that said Zionism is sexy. And like, you know, he was very much like whatever middle finger up to the crisis in Gaza and the Palestinians. Um, And so people had been calling him out for that all summer, well, all fall or whatever. Um, And same with the guy who plays the like ranty conspiracy guy. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I thought he died. Very like cringy and disturbing about his pro-Israel stance, like not allowing room for nuance and making weird, you know, assumptions about like, oh, if you stand for Gaza, you want to murder my people type thing. And so people were already like side-eyeing the Stranger Things season five. But then the cast was, the cast photo was released and Eduardo Franco isn't in it. And he plays the pizza guy, the, he, he appeared in season four. He's the, um, like the, strung out pizza delivery oh, guy. Oh, yes, who gets yes, the like stoner guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And he wasn't in it. And then it was like this poor, sad, like clip of someone being like, oh, what happened there? And he's like, well, I just never got a phone call. So I think that's it. And it's just like everyone was like, oh, my gosh, this is so sad. One, because he's such a he was such a beloved new character. But two, because he's one of the few like people of color in the cast to begin with. So the fact that one, they didn't invite him back, but two, also didn't weren't respectful about it enough to like tell him or like give him a heads up or whatever it's just unfortunate and so then that all happens and then Noah Schnapp comes out with an apology video on TikTok where he's like I don't know what you guys mean all I want is peace like that's all I've ever stood for I feel like I've been misconstrued but like peace is good and like I've been talking to like my you know like all my yeah you know Palestinian 
friends. <laughs> and it's like, yes, I believe and hope that he has learned and grown. But again, the apology looked like, you know, PR because everyone was saying they were going to boycott Stranger Things because of his statements um, and did not feel sincere. And he almost immediately turned off comments. So, yeah, it's not looking great. Uh, people aren't excited. And on top of that, the photo made them all look like they were 35. And it just reiterates why it just is going to be a disaster. Yeah. Well, I mean, also, we sort of didn't like the last season that much yeah, anyways. No, was, so, yeah. So we won't I feel it, like but. I feel like the last season of Stranger Things could be similar to the last season of The Crown, which I did yeah. not watch, even though I had liked the earlier seasons where it's just kind of like, OK, like, let's get this over with. But like, nobody really cares at this point, And <laughs> we got to, you know, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Not so not great. Well. Not great. Mm. Mm. Um, OK, we'll love it or hate it. Yeah, let's do it. OK, I can't remember. Did you already talk about Godzilla minus one? Yes, I did. Okay, because I saw it this week, and I would just like to co-sign that it's very oh, good. good. Um, I finally, yeah, I got my butt to the theta um, yeah. to see that, which was nice. Um, did you see Origin yet? No, what? Because get this, it's still a limited release. Like, so it's like only in one theater in my vicinity, and I didn't have, it was a long story. I didn't have the car. I didn't have the time. But I'm, I want it. I want to. <laughs> I've been trying to. <laughs> it's crazy how like, I don't know if it's going to be a full release anytime soon, but it's like, what do you mean limited? Like, what do you mean it's still limited? Like, honestly, if my theater can still be running, like, I, I don't even know. Migration. I think they can make room for one screening of Origin. Not whatever. migration. Yeah. It's fine. It's whatever. Um, but no, I'm glad you liked Godzilla Minus One. It's such a fun theater experience, too. It's just like a great action movie and also clever. Well, yeah. And I also really like that it's like a historical piece, too, yeah. which I thought was interesting. Um, I will say, though, I, I there's nothing I hate more in a movie when they start getting into like physics too much or like <laughs> math or science. I'm like, I, I can't. I and they're talking about like, well, the water pressure and we got to the chemicals and then we'll drag them down to the bottom and we'll do the pressure and then we'll bring them back. I'm like, what? It, like, what? I mean, it was pretty straightforward. It's like, yeah, I mean, give them the bends. Like that's that was the essence. What the what the f is the bends? You know when you're when you're scuba diving and you go down or up too fast, your your brain basically explodes. I haven't been scuba diving. I don't know how that works. <laughs> well, I haven't freaking built an atomic weapon, but I could follow along Oppenheimer pretty well. Well, I know what a bomb is. <laughs> I was confused why they were like, you know what, you know what's going to work to kill Godzilla. But they we're going to drag him it. down to the bottom of the ocean and then drag him back to the top of the ocean. I was like, what? so he gets wet, and then of course You've he gets never he gets out of the water and he's perfectly fine. And I'm like, well, obviously <laughs> he lives in the water. And also, didn't he come from the bottom of the ocean? Like, isn't that where but he it's was? A matter of going too fast up and down. That was their. That was their. You know. Their. Their. What, it like rattles his brain or something? Yeah. I mean, it's pressure. It's a crazy amount. You need to watch more sci-fi because this is a very common thread is the you can't go down too fast. Like you can't. You can't. What other movies is this in? Like every single movie that takes place in the water. Underwater. um, Underwater. uh, They're all getting eaten by a 
yes, giant but fish. it's like, oh, we can't like race up to the surface. We don't have enough, you know, they say they didn't have enough oxygen or whatever. Movie. They had to, well, they got to the escape pod, didn't they? 47 meters down. Um, well, even in that. an escape pod, you cannot go up too fast because it, the pressure will just eviscerate the, you know, the, the pod itself. Um, Pacific Rim, like honestly, every Didn't single watch. movie that takes place in deep water has to acknowledge. The I know pressure. you love a you love a deep water movie. I love I'm, a deep water movie. It turns out, I, but I'm not. I'm this not. Has been like, I'm not watching <laughs> deep waters. That's funny. Or I mean, even yeah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I I watched um, Society of the Snow, which is the oh um, yes. story of the. Plane crash in the Andes. Um, it was really I'm good. I'm praying this doesn't get nominated for an Oscar. I don't want to watch it. Oh, you I don't watch seen people it? eat Why each other. Why do I feel like yeah. you saw it? I feel I, like you I mentioned it, and you were like, oh, uh, "Maybe the I mentioned it team. that I didn't want to see it." No, I no. It's been. I mean, I think it was at the festivals, and people were like, "Oh yeah, it's a." It's really it's about, good. It's really. It's not like. Are you? You're a, like ill eating bodies. Like it's not like sensationalized. It's not like alive. I think Yellow Jackets was enough for me. You know, well, that's I, extreme. That's what I'm saying is this is very much a real story about real people who had. Yeah, and that's it wasn't even like, scarier. Yeah, no, it is sad. It's very scary. It's very disturbing, like what happened. But that's like the least interesting part of the film. But anyways, it made me spiral, and like I became obsessed with the story. And I listened to one of the survivors' books, Miracle in the Andes, and it's just like it was really good too. I think. Like which we famously represented. The you're pointing out, the story has been over sensationalized to just be the one about the cannibals in the mountains. Um, but you know, these are all like eighteen, like sixteen to twenty year old boys, and they're just like put into this impossible situation, and they really are just so like kind to one another and really find humor and horror and and like motivation in like really sweet and surprising ways and so the movie was nice because it's very much focused on that camaraderie and sort of the the heart of the miracle rather than the the means of actually physically making it um and nando parado's book too is just like really beautifully written so i think it's a very interesting story not just because how they pulled it off but like Every little piece that happened, um, pretty wild, pretty gnarly, pretty uh, wild what people are willing to power through because I'm crashing in the Andes and I'm dead within three days. Like, I know that about myself, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I I feel like my contacts alone, like my blindness would just make me, I'd be, I'd trip and fall down a ravine because I didn't see it there. You know what I mean? (laughs) Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Also, you're the slowest walker, so there would also be that. I cannot be. I cannot be bothered. Um, just yeah. meandering down the mountain, like <laughs> it, a like just annoyed pace. Yeah, I mean, I would be burning all our clothes before I even thought, like, yeah, let's let's eat people. You know, I just don't know if I have the will. But that's what was interesting about the story is that they all had different reasons for like why they found the motivation to continue. And, you know, mm. it's really cool. And they're all buddies still. And that's really sweet. I love a good happy ending, you know. 
my motivation would be to get back to do the podcast. Oh my gosh, that is like, so sweet. Shelby is counting on me. I've got to get down this mountain. <laughs> You're like, we have to do the 2024 predictions. I yes, have to we, make it. We must do the preview of all the movies coming yeah. out in 2024 <laughs> this Thursday. <laughs> Perfect. Which is happening every way. That was that was that was, that was a segue, everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A very pivot. good one. Thank you. Good job, Shelby. Thank you. Um Thank you. yeah, I've so we'll be back on Thursday. Years, so I'm we'll like... be talking about the movies that are coming out this upcoming year. Yeah. Um there are some good ones in the mix and also some <laughs> potentially bad ones in the mix. So it shall be interesting to discuss. But yes, thank you for listening to this episode and we'll see you then. Bye. <laughs>